0: Mm. Welcome to Movies, Movies, Movies.
1: Jen and Andre on on the Zooms, we are doing a little Movies, Movies, Movies. Jen, Andre, welcome. How are you both? How are your weekends? Let's do a quick recap. How are we?
0: Good, 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 good. Big weekend, lots happening. Movies, Movies, Movies in 2020. We're all saying, who needs them? <laughs>
2: all saying that Jen you have been begging to go back to the cinemas I am at the forefront of a movement to close all cinemas for longer and encourage people to watch movies at home the only cinema
0: that's still open is the Blacktown drive-in and they insist on playing Harry Potter one
2: which we're fine with (laughs) (laughs) just joking just joking we're so excited because a lot has happened in the past month and it has led to a very exciting Sydney Spotlight interview that we're going to bring to you guys in a few minutes. We're going to be talking Stay to tuned. Enoch Melengi, who is a former student of NIDA, who was involved in the campaign to unmask, is that the right word? To basically reveal Yeah, there the was a systemic- hundred
0: students and staff that um, have signed a petition to align themselves with Black Lives Matter and call out systemic and institutional racism at NIDA, which is a long time coming. So we're going to talk to Enoch a little bit later, but first up, we've got movie news.
1: Bring in the movie news.
0: <laughs> There's the sting. <laughs> <laughs> Oscar nominee Tony Collette has a membership to Doctor Earth and visits both Neutral Bay and King Street branches. <laughs> Eyewitness report: she brought vit- bought vitamins from King Street and actually has a daughter. Uh.
2: <laughs> Jen, you forgot to preface that with breaking news. We just found out that Tony Colette frequents we have, a We shop. have people on the ground who saw her in the shops so.
1: Oh my! This is true.
2: spotted uh, Tony Colette's uh, previous achievements include. I'm just kidding. We all know Tony Colette. Speaking of Australian cinema, we are expecting cinemaplexes to reopen with a startling new strategy making sure films are good enough to survive the opening weekend and past and beyond. Most films, not to give a lecture on distribution, but most uh, distribution companies uh, recoup the most money for themselves on opening weekend. And then the longer that a film is in cinemas, the less money the distributor is making and more money the cinema is making. So because there's been like a complete reshuffle and reimagining of the cinema structure, people are now saying that films are now going to have to survive and be profitable and successful beyond the opening weekend which begs the question are films going to suddenly start being good Jen do you think that films are going to start being good and when I say films I mean Christopher Nolan mega picks. Oh. they're going to have to be addictive I, I love the idea of an addictive film I love that
0: well, Australia is going to be addicted to film production again as well because apparently there's 18 major Hollywood productions heading here so the Sydney Morning Herald reports because Hollywood isn't ready to open up in the States because of their mismanagement or whatever you want to call it. So So everyone
2: listening, head down to Max Employment in Marrickville with me. Get your resumes polished up because we are going to get on set jobs. We are so excited, albeit a bit embarrassed, to have to report that a Sydney production has been called out. Jen, you have the news.
0: Little Women and Sharp Objects star Eliza Scanlon and local production company Fat Salmon have apologised for making the film Mukbang, which is a short film that took away the $7,000 short film director award at this year's Sydney Film Festival and kind of received, i got to say, a lot of blind praise from the entire arts and media community the entire way through this process until they eventually got called out. They removed a scene on Juneteenth, June 19th, after it had already been in the Sydney Film Festival for ages of a black man getting hit over the head it was like a drawing that one of the characters had done and the film.
1: strangled about-
2: day i'm pretty sure it's strangled Strangle, or is it Strangle. they hit it? oh. we haven't i haven't seen the film i mean who's going to pay 14 dollars to watch a short film on city film i mean exactly But that- michelle, michelle- Moore has
0: them out um and they have apologized and said that if they had more bipoc
2: heads of department then this wouldn't have happened and currently we're wondering what they're going to change fat salmon to we wanted to emphasize that one of the main talking points of the story is that when the film was called out, they decided to remove the scene and then still have the film available at the Sydney Film Festival. And people were saying, no, you can't win a directing prize and you can't win a major award at a festival and then like sneakily delete a scene and then still have it live on for people to enjoy. That's not how it works. And it begs the question, what constitutes a good film? And it's obviously up- not
0: what the... Sorry, you go
2: no you go it's Jen. obviously not
0: it's obviously not what the institutions are coddling and delivering to us which is just nothingness
1: <sighs> oh that's all i have to say sorry my <laughs> just
0: like this is so exhausting
1: <laughs> no no this is just insane news just um, it's insane, and then
2: but... and then by extension nada have been called out by over 100 ex-staff and students and we are going to speak to one of them on sydney spotlight after we review some stuff you know, get a dose of film culture and what Jen and I have been watching.
1: On FBI you are on Movies, Movies, Movies with Jen and Andre. We've just had... I feel like I've almost been hit by a truck with the amount of breaking movie news you've just... You've just shared with us all right here on Mornings. Um, it's time, though, for a little two reviews. We've got... I got a little sneak peek of one of them. I'm very intrigued. But we're going to kick it off first with Andre's pick... Rami, here's a little snippet for you.
3: There he is, back in action.
2: (laughs) It's been a weird year. I really want to do it the right way, man. I'm not going to look at porn, nothing.
0: I just want to commit. No porn in this case. There's no porn. It's going to be tough. No way. Impossible.
3: Rami, do you want to stay alone forever? You don't even have a real job. You do nothing at a startup that does nothing. They are starting up.
2: I just want to figure out my calling.
3: Brother Rami, so what brings you here? I want to change, and I heard you can help me. Speak the straightforward
2: word, brother. I know I can be better.
1: Well, damn. I feel like I've seen a movie.
2: I could only feel a little stupid at that, but is there a part where Rami says, "I want to change"? Because yeah. it's so that's so classic Rami. Oh my gosh! <laughs> so Rami is, in my opinion, a great show, whatever that actually means in twenty twenty. About Rami Youssef, a New Jersey resident struggling to remain faithful as a Muslim, he basically breaks all the ru- all the rules by, you know, smoking pot and watching porn and having outside of marriage sex. And the show is genuinely enjoyable slash sad when it doesn't kneecap itself the same way Louis, Baskets, Girls, Atlanta, Barry, and dare I say Shrill do. We need less expensive depictions of one person's fight against traditional employment and more experimental television. The show, though, does a good job of dedicating four episodes to Rami's mum, who's a French-speaking Lyft driver, and also his underappreciated sister. And those episodes make for genuinely surprising bottlenecks we just need a spinoff for them, I think. We need Rami's siblings and Rami's mom. Oh, and Desiree Akhavan makes a cameo as a director of an episode about gay sex, which obviously is just for the GLBT viewers. Ultimately, I wonder, in this show, which is starring a comedian, and it kind of is discussing his, you know, him emerging onto the scene or him in his early 20s, how do so many American comedians feel isolated in New York at the epicenter of comedy? It makes no sense. It seems like there are so many of them and they're all going through the same thing. They're all feeling lonely and unsure and, and haven't got control of their careers. It's like you are in New York City. Can't you just join a community or something? Isn't that what UCB is for? <laughs> Honestly, I'm just sick of TV shows about how hard it is to be an emerging comedian in New York City. How hard can it actually be? Jenny, chime in. Damn. <laughs> really like the first part of this review that I'm reading that you wrote where you were like, this is just me talking to myself. Well, it, well, <laughs> I had to mention that it's um it's an A twenty-four production. And as we all know, this isn't okay. This is A twenty four made spring breakers, and this is my impersonation Your, your impersonation. <laughs> this is my impersonation of an A twenty four film. Oh, it's so depressing being an Ivy League graduate American author with a fake big budget in this time of identity politics when all I want is to live inside a being John Malkovich-esque remake centering my experience of doing hard traditional labor in my early 20s before becoming a successful stand-up comedian in New York City. Literally, why does every stand-up comedian who's emerging have to complain about being a stand-up in New York? And then I wrote, oops, sorry, I'm accidentally reading the wrong email. This isn't my Ramy review. It's my psychologist notes from Headspace. <laughs>
1: oh, my gosh. But I feel like
2: I would have had to explain A24. Basically, A24 is just pretentious shit, in my opinion. And we just need more experimenting with form, like with Bad Trip. Not going <laughs> to lie. Eric Andre is a genius comedian and is doing great things.
1: I was going to say, it almost sounds like it has a, a rogue alternate uh, Atlanta by Donald Glover kind of feel to it.
2: Well, yes, when I was doing Alanda Ray and like dragging other shows, I mentioned Atlanta. So it does have an Atlanta vibe, but FF, just basically American TV is all the same at the end of the day. There really are only seven <laughs> stories to tell. <laughs> <laughs> Jen, well, what do you think? <laughs> what's you know the chords, what do
0: they say in, uh, in uh, A Star is Born? Um. <laughs> I'm I'm doing actual experimental TV so I feel a lot more gushy and a lot less cynical about American TV because I'm talking about IGTV which is the only thing I want to watch anymore I'm doing two lizards have we got a sting for it
1: we've got a little little clippy clip right here here with us on the line or a group of protesters share their
0: stories
3: from the ground and tell us okay
0: cut to camp three
3: what's what's happening
0: we happen to get the chief of police on the line he only has five minutes to give us.
3: Well, we already have a protester on the line. But this
0: just came up. We'll, we'll move things around a little. It's fucking chaos anyway. I don't understand. They're right here, ready to talk to us. You have any idea how hard it was to get them? No. Okay, we're in five. Are you? In three. Don't do this to me, Scott. Don't. Two. Don't.
2: Don't you dare. One. One. Wow.
0: She stares at this fat pig on the screen and doesn't say anything. And she's a lizard. She's a CGI lizard. Well, I was going to say, wanna, like, the <laughs> audio
1: does not give you any indication of what the video, video or film is like at all.
0: <laughs> it feels, yeah, it's, it's so, <laughs> it's these little snapshots of life in New York City portrayed on little iPhone footage videos with CGI lizards inside them. So Two Lizards is like hanging with those few peoples you were always hanging with anyway but tuning out of like the mid-level noise and into the like little petite raindrop micro moments that speak to the hyper changes going on during COVID. Orion Barki, who directed the Rico Nasty Obdot Counting Up and Moroccan and former French stream artist, Marianne Bernani, who's become famous for her post-colonial mumblecore animation and making unlearning French culture fun, have been making two lizards for like three months since the start of COVID. They're like these little one to three minute shareable snapshots that make you feel like you've watched a whole 90 minute feature that also feel more real than any documentary or news report about New York City and the storm of 2020. It's like this, um, I would say it's like a meditative broad, broad city, present apocalyptic with wide <laughs> eyes, wondering what's going to flood into all the gaps. It's putting faces to crisis porn that are spinning your relatives out as they watch it and believe all the news and just like a generally petrified of change. I don't know, it reminded me of like... A, Remember when Madonna went all drowned world and frozen, it's definitely got like that kind of attitude. Like it's kind of spiritual and meditative in the hustle and bustle of what it means to be alive right now. But I feel like it reminds you that with rising anger comes the need for community care too. And it feels like the green vest at schoolies or the marshals at a rally. And it's the art that's trying to keep you grounded during a bad trip. So share it with your friends.
3: I love it. We'll Two pop, lizards. We'll pop
1: a little link up on the program's page of both. Uh, the trailers for both reviews uh jen andre in a word how would we put them
2: well for remy i want to do a word that has a slash in it i want to say complaining slash excellent um <laughs> for two lizards i wanted to just say dialogue we had a great conversation with sydney artists where they were talking about how it's so hard to write dialogue and two lizards nails it
1: yeah right hard. I will echo that sentiment. Dialogue is difficult in any situation.
0: Uh, Rami, for sure, for me, what stands out is the condom scene. So I'm just going to say condoms and pen 15. And then for two lizards, I would say us. There's like a great scene where one of them's having a flashback to being at a club and then sitting in a diner after the club and they're all talking about us and how that's like actually their life. And then it cuts to... This is like not one word review, but um, cuts (laughs) to them just like trying to figure out what movie to watch. (laughs) Stuck in their. No,
2: we're getting new stings next week. Let's make a (laughs) unanimous agreement. Let's cut the one word reviews. It's too hard. We've got too much work to do. It's 2020. We're under pandemic. No more one word reviews.
1: (laughs) All right. You heard it first. Right here on Movies, Movies, Movies on FBI. Don't go anywhere. We've got a really exciting interview with one of the film lords who had a hand in uncovering. Some bad stuff going on at NIDA. It is Sydney Spotlight Time. We have a special guest on the line. Enoch, please, uh, just before we get into all of these questions, please shed some light on what the heck happened and what is going on.
3: Um, so basically that uh, uh, past alumni, former staff, current students have all come together and sort of signed this letter that basically is like, you know, NIDA, you're not doing enough to protect um, the BIPOC students in, like, in your institution. Um, So going forward, we drafted this letter, then the media caught wind of it. And from there, we've had, like, Andrew Bolt call us race hustlers, was it? Um, And, yeah, so we're basically just calling for, like, institutional reform um, at the Institute. And that's about it is that a good update
1: that's about it that's a good update
3: (laughs) you know i
2: hate i hate i hate to ask a traditional question but as someone who's you're currently at NIDA that's right yeah how did you did you feel apprehension about calling out the place where you're studying or were you just like we have to do this even though we risk uh, an awkward conversation at the place where we're studying
3: i mean i guess like there's always that fear of like how would this affect my career going forward but there's no real apprehension in like, like it's an institute and it's like public funded. And like what this really is like a fight about is like this university being accessible to people who are paying for it. And like right now, like not every student can, like not every prospective student can afford to even get their foot in the door. So it's like, how will we creating like this future industry that's like, we want to create diverse sort of film and like, Um, create diverse theater and tv but the reality is like if i was looking around the class like i was the only black student ever i never had once had like a black educator once had a poc educator so it's like actually like we've got so much work to do in terms of like the institute but no no i mean it's upsetting that like someone across the world has had to die at the hands of police but it's it's really like linking it back and being like actually like say something about like police brutality like step up this huge and like put your skin in the game like like we're artists and like we should be saying things and I guess like like you three would understand like where do we sit in this like global uprising slash movement that's calling for like necessarily like just a better world where people stop dying at the hands of police and like I don't think it's enough to say nothing, especially with everything that's happening.
1: Very true. For
3: sure.
0: And I guess I wanted to ask you, what do you feel? Because I mean, so many kids all around Australia aspire to go to NIDA, and NIDA has such an influence on our cultural institutes, not only the actors that come out, but you were saying like on the phone before about all the people that stock all of the backend, like people who run the admin of all of these institutions and make these choices. So like, uncovering systemic racism, what do you think that means for our industry as a whole because of NIDA?
3: I think it's just, like, we're, it's, like, just um, about, like, being publicly accountable to something. Um, like, it's, I, like, it's, yeah, it's, like, a place which pushes it. It's, like, NIDA is an interesting place because it has, like, a direct link to the industry and, like, no other sort of university in Australia has those direct links so like if you can't have like and it's not about it's also like beyond color it's like we're talking about like working class like white people people with disabilities like even like the Islamic community in Western Sydney like if those sort of groups and communities can't get their foot in the door and really want to like get into the industry like you're actually stopping people and like this is a public funded university we're talking about and I think it's time like that NIDA step up and you know really walk the walk in terms of what they always talk about inclusivity diversity all those like buzzwords they like to throw around it's like not being seen like, it's it's upsetting to look around like at, whilst I'm at NIDA and see like the future of what the industry is and just be like really like this is what you could find like the amount of creatives I've met outside of NIDA who are really doing amazing things, and you both would know, like, seeing, like, DIY filmmakers, like, people really hustling to create good work aren't being celebrated. And we're seeing this at Sydney Film Festival where it's, like, you've just awarded Muff Bang. Like Like, yeah, we could talk about the content, but, like, the idea of, like, awarding a bunch of filmmakers who could afford to make a film like that with more money, when, like, you're not actually doing the job and accessing like all the amazing filmmaking that's going down in Sydney at the moment where people are putting stuff together on on, a like shoestring budget of $10. Sorry that's like an ambulance in the
2: background. (laughs) (laughs) I remember reposting about your article or the article that you are involved in and just the amount of people that are calling out their own institutions—it's just—it's everywhere. And like everyone's saying, every institution needs to reform and reevaluate their position and find a way to speak. Because, like you said, everyone should just speak up and, and involve themselves. Yeah,
1: but
0: you. we were—oh, go, yeah. No, no, you, sorry, you go. I was just going to say that's—that's that's absolutely true. and We were talking last night about how the onus shouldn't actually be on the people who go to these racist institutions, it's on like, there's a hundred signatures there that NIDA should individually be addressing. Like how are they gonna individually address every person who signed that and figure out what
3: went wrong? And also like the signatures, like a majority of the people who signed it were white people. So like, we're talking about white students who also were seeing like the systematic racism. And like, isn't like just this like singular BIPOC cohort. It's like white people are being like, what is happening? is like not okay not on like this isn't the industry we want to be part of but the fear that is like the fear and keeping silent that is sort of perpetuated and encouraged is like really sad to watch like white students know what's going on is wrong but can't say anything because they're so worried about the implications and then you like contextually to look at it like that's that's we're breeding the same sort of behavior that led to Harvey Weinstein, Me Too, and, like, all these, like, things where, like, young people's talents are being squashed and not empowered, and BIPOC students aren't being challenged instead of, like, are being challenged instead of, like, white people who might hold racist views aren't being challenged in the Institute, which I believe that's where, like, that's where the Institute should intercept people who might not necessarily have worked with BIPOC people in their lives, like... (laughs) 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 <laughs>
2: <a> cool. <laughs> <laughs> Enoch, as, as someone who's been part of, like, a student-led campaign in a super-significant institution like NIDA, what would you say to other students who maybe want to, you know, organise at their university or at their art school um, who are maybe reluctant for any reason? Can you? Is there anything that you can say that might encourage them as someone who's done it very
3: successfully? I mean, like, it's always, like, safety in numbers. Um, I think there are people who... Um, willing to like catch you like it doesn't work that way but just like be staunch in your truth and like put your skin in the game and like change the world you're living in like you don't have to inherit like things about the industry now we can like all as creatives like work to make this industry a better more inclusive and more diverse like place for everybody like there's enough room for everybody at this table and if you want to apply for a NIDA as a BIPOC student, 100% do it. It's, like, your university, like, you know, like, we pay taxes to fund that university it's for everybody. You're allowed to go there. Like, just, like, be cautious on, like, just be wary that, like, what you might be getting into might not be as safe as you think it will be. Very
1: Thank well you said. So much for- there you
3: go. <laughs> I miss
1: I you guys so much.
2: <laughs> i could keep going with this conversation but i feel like the zoom timer is like ticking down how much more uh, do we have to get out of here maya i
1: think we're gonna have to leave it there Enong, thank you so much for coming on movies 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 and hopefully we'll catch uh something you put together on two reviews very very soon If you want to listen back to uh, today's show on Movies, 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 you can go to radio.com slash programs, or you can also catch the podcast anywhere you grab your podcasts from. Thank you, Jen. Thank you, Andre. Thank you, Enoch. We're going to take you to a track right now by Dallas Woods. If it glitters, it's gold. This podcast is produced by FBI Radio in Sydney find more at fbiradio.com slash podcasts.